it's good. It's good to be together. Like I mentioned at the beginning, this week is joy. It's the third week of Advent. And Advent, if you're not familiar or that's holds just a Christmas meaning, it, it means the arrival of a notable person or event. It's, it's about arrival. And it's about a long-awaited arrival. And the joy that long-awaited arrival. And that is a bit about what we're, we're talking about today. So if you would, we're going to um, pray uh, and invite um, God's presence over the reading today. So Lord, we make ourselves available to you. We breathe in the goodness that you are with us. Your joy is with us. And that you are the one who make our joy complete when it is something that is long awaited. And as we look at your scripture about two people who longed to see, and they finally did, allow our hearts to be in that same place of hope, of a joyful expectation of good. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, so we're going to read from Luke 2. If you want to get um, your Bibles out or your devices or whatever is in front of you. Um, and I'm going to read Luke 2, starting in verse 22. I am supposed to spotlight my video. That's to YouTube. So I may have missed the intro. Oh, well. <laughs> so let us read from Luke 2, verse 22. Oh, I just realized I'm reading. Not worked for some of you. Let's all read from the, uh, I'll go back to the NIV, the Necessary and Vineyard. Luke 2, 22. When the time purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he was before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him what the custom of Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the uh, light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then was a widow until she was 84. She never left day and night fasting and praying coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to god and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of jerusalem when joseph and mary had done everything required by the law of the lord they returned to galilee in their own town of nazareth and the child grew and became strong he was filled with wisdom and the grace of god was on him so, in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, they look at Anna and Simeon as essentially the last of the Old Testament prophets, the last of proclaiming the Messiah. Uh, and they've always been seen throughout church history as, as godly symbols of waiting. How do you wait well? something and you're not seeing it fulfilled yet how do you wait well how do you have a joyful expectation and anticipation and not lose hope when you haven't seen something for quite a while we see that they their waiting is not passive a lot of times we think of waiting as passive waiting is not passive waiting is active waiting is an act of intentionality and it's not one that's always easy to do. Waiting sometimes feels like just biding our time until something real happens. But these godly symbols of waiting, they are active. They are there for the moment because they are not just saying, I'll, I'll, I'm going to happen. But Anna is, the quote for her is, she is looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And for Simeon, he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was with him. So I'm going to reverse as far as how I tell the stories and look into each of these characters a little bit. I'm going to do Anna first and then Simeon. Um, they, they, uh, Luke wants to show us both um, a man and a woman. Um, so whenever you see a contrast like this, you're, you're hearkening back to the patriarchs. You're hearkening back to like Abraham and Sarah, Adam and Eve. Okay, so both the masculine and feminine energies are recognizing this thing that is happening. So for Anna, it, it mentions something interesting right at the top there. It says that she is from the tribe of Asher. 
Now, <clears throat> how many times is the tribe of Asher mentioned in the scriptures? <laughs> Even in all the Old Testament, like not often. There's not there's not much notoriety around the tribe of Asher. So, uh, in the Old Testament, the, the the twelve tribes of Israel are only together and functioning as a whole kingdom very briefly, only under um, you know Saul, David, Solomon. As soon as you get a little bit Old Testament, there's the 10 tribes of Israel that break off to the north. And most of the time they're following pagan practices and they're, they're getting taken over by one kingdom after the other. And then Judah and Benjamin, uh, where Judah's, where is, uh, um, they go in and out of faithfulness, but there's a little bit more kind of consistency, but Asher is part that was broken off and, they had all but disappeared under the Assyrians. So the Assyrians came in and conquered, like conquer and dominate you. They want to assimilate you. So the, um, the tribe of Asher, they, they were basically assimilated into the Assyrians. They became Assyrians. So in the mind of Jews, these are people who have been scattered, who have basically been cut off. But here she is a symbol of the scattered and the cut off who is faithful and present. Uh, the translation of the, of how old she is, is a little bit confusing um, because the way the language is used, you're not actually sure if it was, if she got married, was married seven years, became a, vid a widow. And now she's 84 years old. Like Jess, or if it would, she had been in the temple for 84 years after her husband had died, which would put her in like a hundred. Um, but regardless, she is very, very old. <laughs> she has been since before the Roman occupation. Okay. She has been in the temple since before the Romans occupied the Jews. 63 years earlier. And she has seen it all. She has witnessed a, a major changes of ups and downs because you have to remember in this time they were married in their early teens. So she was probably married around 13 or 14 in her twenties, her early twenties when she became a widow. And then she has been in the temple ever since. She, I can just picture her in the temple courts, you know, almost a hundred years old and a little older, slightly bent over. The priest would have walked by her every day as she's walking around the courts, fasting and praying. A constant reminder. There she is, still being faithful, still fasting and praying. From a tribe thought to be cut off and assimilated. Someone of no consequence and yet was consistent and faithful in a way that few were in her day. Not only that, but it says that um, after this, she gave thanks to God, speaking about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So she is really the first person in all of scripture that is mentioned as basically saying, the Messiah is here. 
that, that God has come to redeem us. She's the first messenger. She's the first person like who is preaching about Jesus. And most likely she's gone before Jesus comes back to the temple when he and has that whole thing. But she's really the first one. So then let's look at Simeon. Simeon is this incredible reminder of, um, it says that he's been waiting and that he had received this promise that he would, he would witness um, that he would not die until he saw the one who's going to bring the redemption of Israel. And, and it says, and the Holy Spirit was with him. We don't have much detail. There's this, there's something in that that I see that God is with those who expectantly wait. God is with those who wait with expectation. But here's the miracle to me, Simeon saw. Here's the a miracle to me in what he prophesied. He had been waiting on the consolation of Israel, but he sees the bigger picture when he prophesies over Jesus. They had all been waiting on the consolation of Israel. They wanted to, um, that's what he had been praying for. But even in that, he doesn't lose sight of the bigger picture that Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. He hasn't forgotten the call that they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, that they were supposed to bless the world, as it says that they are going to be way, 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 way back with Abraham. All that it wasn't just about them. It wasn't about their nation. It wasn't that they were the nation favored guide by God. They were a nation that was the point of them is to be a blessing to everyone else. They were the ones who were quote unquote, I've heard Christians use that phrase. What are you elected to do? The election is to bless everyone. It is to bless all nations. And he sees in Jesus, one who will be a glory for the people of Israel, but a light of revelation. But here he gets the picture even bigger. He prophesies to Mary, the hope, the big picture, that Jesus was, is part of this redemptive, redemptive energy. He says he can be dismissed. His eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. But then when he's talking to Mary, he says the complicated, the complicated reality. The complicated reality that he will cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. And that many hearts will be revealed. And the last piece is, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I wonder if those words hung in the air as she watches her son, who was prophesied over, hang on a cross and watch the spear go into his side. And that soul pierced her own soul too. These symbols, I think, remind us of something really important today. Um, there's something 
them that is a mystery to me, which is how do you hold on so long? How do you spend so many years with a hope and not get discouraged? How do you spend so many years having a particular hope? Just go, I guess it's, I'm not going to see it in my lifetime. I'm getting really old here. I'm not going to last much longer. Am I ever going to see this thing fulfilled? I'm getting real tired of waiting. Proceed in faithfulness. Not only that, but they're, they're taking joy in, in witnessing the birth of Jesus, but they're, they're not going to witness what actually happens. They're not going to witness what he becomes. They're not the um, redemption that they are even talking about. Somewhere along the line, they learned to cultivate a joy that allowed them to last. We see in their story the of long-awaited joy. That they were going to get to see something. That they are witnessing it. But they aren't going to see the thing that they are witnessing. They speak with joy about future joy. They are taking joy promise, even though they will not witness the fulfillment. That moment reminds me of Martin Luther King Jr. in his I Have a Dream speech when he says, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't really matter to me now. Mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. They know they are not going to witness. But they have cultivated a joy that has allowed them to last, that has kept them faithful. And they speak with joy about a future joy that they will never get to see. Brown calls joy the most vulnerable of all emotions. Joy is the most vulnerable of all emotions. Because it sets us up to be what if it doesn't happen? What if it just stays like this? What if I can't get out? What if nothing ever changes? How will I deal with this? And yet, I see in my mind that old woman shuffling around, slightly bent over day after day, who has cultivated something that is deeper, not just the feeling of joy, but a deep groundedness in that hope and that love and that joy so that she is able to see in that moment what a lot of other people are missing around her. Because they've taken the long game. Myopic. They're not just in this moment. They understand what a lot of us forget sometimes that our current reality is not our permanent reality. And that there is 
structure that is much bigger than what we've noticed. John has Jesus using this phrase a few times where he says, you know, and your joy will be complete. What did it mean when they don't get to see where it all leads? But in Hebrews 2, uh, sorry, Hebrews 12, even it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Where do you need to cultivate that joy? A joyful anticipation of good. The bigger picture. The faithfulness that will carry you on. Where can you lean into that? What is something in your life you look forward to with joyful anticipation and and build? We're going to talk about that in our groups when we do our breakout sessions in a second. But as I want us to sit with this for just a moment. This big picture, the joy, these, these two incredible people that we know nothing else about outside of this one little story. But they're there to teach us something. The hearts them on are there as a witness for us to remember what we are cultivating and what we need to lean into. Now may your joy run unattached to others receiving joy or the ideal circumstance. May your eyes focus on light and your story be the light you offer. You experience the God of abundance and listen to the call of the still small nudge. May you reach outward, hesitantly, stumbling, fumbling, keeping closed up in self. I bless your aim to be healing and your arrows to be packed away and your pruning shears to be in hand. Blessings as you cultivate gratitude be with you and may you create something beautiful this week. Love you guys. Blessings.